So, welcome to Food Freedom Radio, where we nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a food patriot to the natural world, and a person who knows cheap food is not cheap. Karen Nelson Johnson is not able to be with us today, but she will be here next week. And behind the scenes is Hunter. Good morning, Hunter. Good morning. So, Hunter, did spring happen? I mean, I was like, wait a second, there was spring break, so I know spring is supposed to happen, but it doesn't feel like spring. It's teasing us. It's teasing us. But it's close. It's close. I am going to get out the wood stove tomorrow, and I'm just going to, you know, I, I appreciate my wood stove. I'm just going to enjoy the Sunday and snow. But, um, and today we are live. The call in number is 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. And we're talking about urban agriculture. There will be an urban food system symposium to be held in Minneapolis on August 8th. Um, and, of this year. And in studio with us, we've got a nice full studio with us, is longtime community organizer and founder of Project Sweetie Pie, Michael Cheney. Hi, Mike. Good morning. We have Dr. Mary Rogers, who directs the Rogers Organic or Horticulture Lab at the University of Minnesota and is an assistant professor. We also have Lucas Zeiner and Patsy Parker with the Growing North program. So welcome to the show. Okay. What? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> good morning. Okay. What is urban agriculture? Interesting you should ask. <laughs> um, well, actually, four years ago when we went before the Minnesota Department of Agriculture and with the idea of proposing that we needed to create some funding for the growers all across the state, and in particular residents who lived in metro, metropolitan areas, the question, first question that they asked is, well, what is urban ag? And our response was, well, urban ag is farming in urban areas. They didn't believe us, so they had to spend about $175,000, because, you know, it's not true unless it's been studied, and spent about $175,000 to... Um, go around the state and do listening sessions in terms of the need for urban farming. Fortunately for all of us in this room, they came to the same conclusion that it was of value, a growing movement all across the country, in fact, all around the world. So growing food, you know, so that people can sustain themselves and, and have some degree of food sovereignty. Right. And, you know, it wasn't in a not-too-long-distant past that all food was really pretty much in walking distance, Right. You want to jump in here, Mary? Um, yeah, you know, so urban ag isn't a new thing at all. Um, there were, we had plenty of, sorry, uh, victory, there was victory gardens, there was community <coughs> garden plots, allotment farms, uh, school gardens. So really we're just kind of coming back to this, but it's, real, it's not a new concept at all. Um, you know, uh, with the rise of refrigerated trucks <laughs> in the 50s, and so this, this allowed us to move food long distances. But before that, we had to grow our food very close to home. And it really wasn't all that long ago that we were growing a food, and I, I don't think we really realized what we've lost in the last couple decades in terms of... And, and so right now what we're trying to do with the urban farm movement is to recreate that community. Is that correct? Yep, that is correct. I mean, one of the things that I see, we grow a lot in North Minneapolis, so one of the things that I see is basically the community that develops around the farms, the community that develops with the people that walk by, with the church across the street. I mean, the whole um, urban farm system is really set, or for me, the whole urban farm system is really set in the community. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is really knit together all of the farms, knit together all of the um, the food structures, the you know the eating, the processing, the composting, the growing, knitting all that together, and starting to make a food system in North Minneapolis that hangs together and is viable and is fun and delicious and works. Cool. So you're Patsy Parker. So tell oh, us yes. about what so tell us about the Growing North program. What is that? Uh, the Growing North program is a collaboration between the University of Minnesota, which Mary is one of the chief parts of that. Um, the Step Up program from the city of Minneapolis, which is a readiness program for work, and all of the community elders and gardens and garden stewards from North Minneapolis. So we're all working together to give, um, to make 
garden teams, which are really a garden steward, which is a community elder, um, some University of Minnesota interns, and then these, you know, five or six step-up students. So it's a lot of fun. We talk a lot about different things, eat great food, you know, weed, figure out what growing <laughs> is all about, figure out what's a weed, what's a plant. People come in with, or the kids come in with all kinds of interesting ideas, like pumpkins grow in one day on Halloween. <laughs> and then you have to go, well, maybe that's not really how it works. And it's sort of that whole question of putting together, this is really what the food, where the food comes from, and this is what this green thing tastes like when it's cooked. It's like, oh, really? That's great. Okay. So when you have more exposure and you know more about something, you're more likely to, you know, engage with that and choose that as your as your food source. So it's introducing, yeah, youth to to gardening and food skills and and healthy eating. And so, yeah, it is a lot of fun. And so, Lucas uh, Zeiner, you're also with the Growing North program. So tell us about your experience with it. Yeah, so um, last summer I started uh, working with the program as a university intern and actually uh, this summer I'm going to be one of the community partners, so um, it's really interesting to see how both sides are uh, different and how we're working together on both sides. But um, yeah, I, uh, I kind of manage a field in North Minneapolis, um, and we are hopefully going to be able to sell stuff from that field to uh, the brand new Worth Cooperative grocery store, which is Yay! serving the north side. It's great uh, that we now have a community-owned store with all of our community-owned uh, gardens. And um, I think it's going to be uh, really great to um, be cooking with the students and uh, for them to be able to see that they're not only growing produce, but that they're selling the produce uh, to the store and to the farmer's markets um, and to all sorts of different uh, food businesses on the north side. I think that'll be really powerful for them to see and, and uh, have that entrepreneurial experience almost. This is a revolutionary act, isn't it, Michael? I mean, it's not just growing vegetables and having kids here. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal, really, once we dig down into well, the meaning of it. You know, the whole origin of, I mean, it's, it's a, a process, right? Life is a process. What it took, you know, 150 years to undo in terms of really, you know, destabilizing our food system, to taking away from people the realization that the power is in their hands. The history of this particular initiative, Growing North Minneapolis, uh, started in 2010 when the school North High was under attack and folks were going to threatening to close the school because they thought it had served its purpose. And so there were a number of activists, myself amongst many, Kali Gradic, uh, you know, Rose McGee, Rose Brewer, were sitting around commiserating about the threat and closing. And... Uh, there had been a uh, green room that had been there for fallow for 10 years, right? When you talk about the past couple decades, you know, in the 90s, you know, us bright, you know, bright leaders, we came to the conclusion that, you know, this passe, you know, learn how to cook your food, how to repair your car, how to build a birdhouse, you know, how to plant seeds and bring them to life, that that was passe, there's no need for that. Technology will solve all of our world ills. And so they dismantled those programs over the last 20 years. And so here was a green room that had been fallow for t over 10 years. And so myself and others approached the school with the idea, let's start, look at pathways to higher education um, through looking at horticulture, food science, and culinary arts. And so uh, in January 2010, we started growing sweet potatoes, thus Project Sweetie Pie. Over the years of that process of reestablishment, you know, we turned to the University of Minnesota. Why? Because it's a land-grant institution and that each and every one of us in this room pay taxes, you know, and as a result, there's subsidies that are awarded to that to that program. And so UROC had entered into the community, which was doing research. And so I turned to the university with the eye, the eye of that they really needed to be more responsive and they needed to run their irrigation systems down into the valley to reach the residents of North Minneapolis and other low-income communities. And so through that process, you know, through the Master Garden Program, Extension, and then finally working with, originally with Bud Markhart, who um, was uh, 
prior to Mary coming there was really the uh, origins of this program that's now evolved to um, University of Minnesota Ag Education, University of Minnesota 4-H, University of Minnesota STEM. And so we keep on, you know, I like to say, you rock, open the door, I'm trying to kick it in. <laughs> We're all nourishing the seeds of change. Did you want to pop in here, Mary? Um, yeah, so... Uh, I you know I've been in my position for three years. Early on, I met Michael, and he shared his vision um, with me, or part of his <laughs> vision. And and it was just really it, it was kind of a no brainer. And it makes a lot of sense to make, to form this partnership. Um, I teach um, a lot of undergrad graduate students. We have a new food systems program, and one of the hallmarks of that program is service learning and working in the community. So this was a natural fit for me to um, to match students like like Luke um, and many others, um, to that community um, to work with, not for, <laughs> um, those communities. And in order to, so, you know, we're, we're all working on the same team. So we all, all working have a shared, on the same team. shared goal. We're going to need to take a break in a little bit, and this is Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. But I want to briefly put this in the context of the dominant system because the dominant system, the dominant food system, is it a very just, sane system that we have? Anyone want no. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, no. Why not? It's not a just and saying. It's not. For one thing, the food system creates food that if we eat it enough, we will die. So Our lifespans are going down. Yes, the lifespans are going down, and the lifespans of our children are going to be even shorter. So if you eat the standard processed food, you're not getting the nutrition you need, and not only that, but you're getting chemicals that actually make you sick. A billion pounds of pesticides. So we're going to take a break. We are live. Time for your call, 952-946-6205. that Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Kevin Ross here, inviting you to our brand new store called Ambibulous. What does Ambibulous mean? It means one who enjoys alcoholic beverages of all sorts. Ambibulous is a Minnesota maker's market. Unlike traditional liquor stores, we feature only craft beer, wine, and spirits made here in Minnesota. We are ready to guide your selections, where you can build your own four or six packs. Find us at 949 Hennepin Avenue East in Northeast Minneapolis or online at ambibulousmn.com. Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The Spring St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running April 27th, 28th, and 29th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have the chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Hosting over 350 artists, up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 34 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. When you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with free transit passes. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. That's thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. 
Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at Seward.coop. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund. Carolson Johnson is not able to be with us today, but we are talking all about urban agriculture. And in studio with us is the um, founder of Project Sweetie Pie, Michael Cheney, Dr. Mary Rogers with the uh, Rogers Organic Horticulture Lab, Lucas um, Zeitner, and um, Patsy Parker with the Growing North Program. And we're going to, and, and so on break, we were talking about is it a fair food system? Yeah, so um, last fall, we were lucky enough to have uh, some city council uh, forums um, where people running for city council came uh, and talked about the food system on the north side. And uh, some of the incumbents were talking about how great, you know, uh, the north side food system was because now we have these big chain stores. But, you know, I've gone to those big chain stores and I've gone to those same big chain stores in other neighborhoods. And I think what's fascinating is... um, the role that racism plays in uh, those, that bigger food system. Um, the, you know, when I go to these stores on the north side, uh, you know, normally the first thing you'll, you'll see is, is produce at other stores. But when I go to the food uh, store on the north side, what I see is uh, the junk food is at the front. You know, the chips and the cookies and, and candy, all that stuff. The produce is all the way in the back. You've got to walk all the way to the back of the store. So people, it's not the first thing people are seeing. And again, um, the lifespans are different in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. There is a Wilder study, and it's really hard to, that that in, in North Minneapolis, it may be up to an eight-year less lifespan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's crazy. Now, right now, we're joined by um, Green Garden Bakery, Lenza. Um, good morning. Welcome to the show, and uh, tell us a little bit about Green Garden Bakery. Hi. Uh, thank you for having me. So, Green Garden Bakery is a youth-run business, and basically, what we do is we grow vegetables in our community garden, and we make vegetable-based goods, and we sell them at local farmer's markets and pavo sales around to Twin Cities. So you have vegetables in your bakery goods? Yes. Yes. And then, so that is awesome. And, and you're local entrepreneurs that are doing this. And, yeah. and so um, And so you're going to have a crowdfunding campaign coming up, and, and you want to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so... Um, currently, we have raised already $150,000 to um, change our community kitchen into a commercial kitchen. And so we just need $50,000 more to make that happen. So our crowdfunding campaign is to raise that $50,000, and we're launching that on April 28th. And so what's happening on April 28th? So on April 28th, we're going to have our launch party. It's going to be at a brewery in um, North Minneapolis. Kind of like by the Harrison neighborhood, and um, we're gonna have it from around five to seven p.m. Cool. This is so super cool because it connects. Now, in studio, also uh, Lucas, you, you've also partnered um, with uh, Green Garden Bakery. Yeah, um, we uh, sell them some produce sometimes. Uh, I think this summer we're planning on uh, bartering, so we're gonna give them some of our zucchinis and our jalapenos <laughs> and, and beets, maybe and. Uh, in exchange, hopefully, we'll get some time in their kitchen so we can do some processing. And uh, and also, you know, they, they want to come out and volunteer with us. So uh, we're, we're more than happy to have them. <laughs> no, that, that kind of lays out just right there. <clears throat> um, seven years ago, I remember going to United Way General Mills and talking about building a local food system. And <clears throat> folks looked at me like I was crazy, you know. <laughs> I said, well, let's build a food corridor in North Minneapolis uh, similar to the computer world out in the Bay Area, right? Uh, What do they call that? Uh, Uh, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, right. Let's build something similar to Silicon Valley, but instead of computer chips, let's, you know, raise uh, kale chips or something. And so, uh, but interesting enough, about a year and a half, a a year ago, uh, United Way General Mills just uh, uh, issued a request for proposals, $1.5 million for building a local food system in North Minneapolis. And so people have been watching what's going on. Uh, We've really 
really been kind of setting the pace and tone in terms of really uh, uh, not just uh, Project Sweetie Pie, Appetite for Change, Know Me uh, Roots, uh, the folks, uh, Green Garden Bakery, uh, North North Point, there's a number, it's called the Full Lives Grant. There were 11, 11 organizations and institutions that are built, making a change uh, in the food system in North Minneapolis, and they were awarded by um, General Mills to continue to do that work. And so it's been very exciting to see all of the connecting points and intersections of partnership and collaboration. You know, if we build partnerships, we build relations, we build relationships, we build health, we build wealth, we grow peace. And so we see this grow as Grow peace. Grow yeah. peace. Yeah. We need that. And, need... and on that note, um, you know, the, the term food desert gets tossed around a lot when talking about North Minneapolis and, and urban agriculture in general. It's often uh, food deserts are the neighborhoods or the areas we try to target because they're the areas that supposedly don't have um, access to that fresh food. But uh, And this is a term that Michael uh, has, I think, coined or, or he likes to use. Um, North Minneapolis now, because of all this work we're doing, building our own food system, it's more of a food oasis. A food oasis, okay. So, you know, and it's not just corner stores anymore. Now it's corner gardens, too. That's so cool. People can cool. go and get their food so, from there. So, Lisa, I, I know you need to go off some word. Is there anything else you want to add to this conversation? Yeah. Um, I'd just like to say that I'm really proud of all the work that's happening in North Minneapolis, and I really do agree that we are now a food oasis. I just wanted to plug that we're going to have a pre-launch fundraiser at a pop-up sale at the Witch Co-op on the 14th from 3 to 6, and you can pick up our baked goods there. And we're going to be having the proceeds for our crowdfunding campaign to have it a pre-launch. Awesome. And give us the website so people can find out more about you and support you. I I know you've been doing a lot of fun things in the community. So um, how do people connect with Green Garden Bakery? Yeah, so... Our website is greengardenbakery.org, and we also have um, people can come and volunteer at our site and come to our pop-up sales. We're going to start at the Farmer's Market soon, the Annex and the Midtown Farmer's Market. And um, you can just connect with us on our social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll have a we'll talk more about you and, and other shows. But Mary Rogers, I'm sure you're eager to pop in here. Um, yeah, so, um, so really, uh, I think we don't have any misconceptions that our small gardens are going to feed the entire <laughs> community, um, but it, it is, it's, it's a small step in the, in the right direction, and you can grow a lot of, of vegetables on a relatively small um, amount of land, as, as long as you, you know, have a little bit of know-how, <laughs> some compost, as Patsy can attest to, and some people, and some um, energy and some labor. And that's really where we're really tapping into the youth, uh, the energy that the youth bring to um, to the gardens um, through the Step Up program and the Growing North pro- um, program. So maybe we could... We could do, talk, about talk about that, about but I, I also, I mean, before the show, we were talking about this being kind of an unusual spring, and the, the connection between climate change and food systems is huge. I mean, the way that we do food is a big driver of our climate crisis, and 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 likely it's going to really hurt our ability to eat in the future if we right. keep doing it this way. So we're really interested, too, um, from from a scientific standpoint— and, and what kind of ecosystem services um, urban farms can uh, farms and gardens can offer us. And um, there is some building evidence that, that urban farms and gardens contribute to carbon sequestration. So um, as a carbon sink rather than a carbon source. Um, Helpful nut. <laughs> exactly. And then also filtering stormwater runoff. So keeping um, some of the toxins and uh, excess nutrients out of our, our natural lakes and rivers. And our, um, so we're going to need to take a break. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. We are live, 952-946-6205. Um, urban agriculture, good for pollinators, good for soil, good for health. Good stuff. Good for people. Six years ago, Dr. Emily Stein was confronted with a life-changing situation. Her grandmother developed rheumatoid arthritis and was unable to maintain her own dental hygiene. Unfortunately, her assisted living facility didn't have the resources to help her maintain her dental health either. Once her dental health deteriorated, her overall health deteriorated too. It wasn't long until she had multiple tooth extractions and a severe stroke. That's when Emily put her Stanford background in microbiology and immunology to work. 
She created an oral care lozenge, or Smart Mint, that manages oral bacteria to promote strong teeth, healthy gums, and fresh breath. Daily Dental Care is a life sciences company dedicated to addressing public health by targeting the root cause of dental disease. Because let's face it, we all could use a little extra help supplementing our daily dental care routine. Visit dailydentalcareswithans.com or go to Amazon to purchase our lozenges and use promo code DDC95502 for a 25% discount on your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Daily dental care lozenges are not intended to replace daily dental hygiene practices. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. Do yourself a favor and check out the amazing cuisine of EatLocalMinnesota.com. More than just a website, EatLocalMinnesota.com provides you with the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities. The award-winning Hazel's Northeast combines the feel of a small-town diner with the vibrant nature of its Northeast Minneapolis neighborhood. Whether it's breakfast, lunch, weekend brunch, or dinner, their classically inspired and creatively prepared American comfort food is always made from scratch. Hazel's Northeast at 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. EatLocalMinnesota.com The dedicated staff at Nightingale Restaurant take pride in presenting a thoughtful and delicious approach to food and drink, whether you're visiting for dinner, happy hour, or brunch. Their focus on made-from-scratch meals using sustainable and local ingredients is likely to make Nightingale your go-to spot for inspired food and drinks. Nightingale, Lindell and 26th in Minneapolis. Hi, this is Ken Hagelin, president of Minnesota Hospice, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on AM 950, Saturdays from noon to one. Our team from Minnesota Hospice will be talking with Dr. Ira Bayak how understanding our own mortality can lead to finding greater fulfillment and joy in life. Please join us Saturday from noon to one for the new Minnesota Hospice show and learn more about us online at minnesotahospice.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Today, sunny with a high near 30 degrees. Tonight, mostly clear with below around 15. And Sunday, snow likely, high near 29. This week's EatLocalMinnesota.com Restaurant of the Week is Cafe Latte, a gourmet cafeteria with an ever-changing selection of award-winning salads, sandwiches, and soups. They have a pizza and wine bar with an extensive wine list by The Glass on Victoria and Grand in St. Paul. Details at EatLocalMinnesota.com. So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. Um, I am. The, we are live. The call-in number is 952-946-6205. And in studio, we're talking about today urban agriculture. With us is uh, the uh, founder of Project Sweetie Pie, Michael Cheney, Dr. Mary Rogers with the Rogers Organic Horticulture Lab at the University of Minnesota. And with the Growing North program, we have Lucas Zeitner and Patsy Parkner, Parker. So, Patsy, on break, you said you wanted to share your favorite sentence, which I don't know. So I'm going to find out with everyone else. What is your favorite sentence? Well, I have a couple of favorite sentences. One is I just wanted to say, to put this all in perspective, that last year on our one little plot of land, we did manage to grow 350 bunches of collard greens. And we sold them to Worth Co-op for the first time. And when I realized what was going on, I knew that we were 19 blocks away. And if they got them any other place, it was 1,400 miles. So that's the difference between urban agriculture, as you can talk about it in blocks, and when you're talking about you know, agriculture from someplace else, even if it's organic, it's still 1,900 mi- or 1,400 miles. And so, and I think when we think about knitting all this stuff together, as Mary was saying, that you really can grow a lot on a really small space. And the other thing is, I just wanted to say, and for all of us who might feel like, oh, this is such a big system, you know, how are we ever going to do anything, that we have changed that system incredibly in a very short space of time. It used to be that high fructose corn syrup was in everything, and now if you look, you can find 
uh, lots of stuff that don't have high fructose corn syrup. And you can find labels that say no high fructose corn syrup. And it used to be that you couldn't hardly find any organic food. Now organic food is everywhere. And the only reason those changes happened is because consumers demanded it. That's so cool. So, uh, Mary Rogers, talk about this from a food systems perspective, um, getting the local greens from 19 blocks away as opposed to thousands of miles. Right. So so food systems are all of the things that hap- have to happen in order for food to, to get on your table. And um, the dominant food system is very big and it's global. And we're kind of going against that in this sort of revolutionary sort of, well, let's let's take more into our, our, our own hands, into our, our control. And so this is kind of food sovereignty. It's growing our own where we live. And um, the food quality in those collards is so much higher than, than you would get at the grocery store for a product that has traveled thousands of miles and picked you don't know when. <laughs> right. A hundred years ago, we didn't know anything about vitamins, and we're just learning about the microbial right. kingdom. And so the soil that something's grown in, and I see you shaking your head, Lucas, you want to show, but the soil, this right. could really be important for our health. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I also want to want to make a point about the, um, the variety. So in grocery stores, uh, typically you're limited by, um, by, you know, the few varieties of vegetables that, that ship well, right. Or that travel well. But when you're growing your own in these, in these sort of, um, like food sovereign (laughs) plots, you can grow more diversity and more culturally appropriate food, um, and food that has higher, um, uh, nutrient content. And so there's, and it's empowering, um, and you're doing something different. And, um, and I think that um, the number of community gardens, like as Michael says, uh, a lot of people, when they think about North Minneapolis, they're not thinking about, about the, the gardens and the work that's, going, that's coming up from the community. They're not thinking about the good things because all you hear about in the news is, is the violence and, um, and uh, the bad things. And so I think, it, I think this is, we need to frame the Northside community as, as a community that's, that's rich with assets rather than sort of having this deficit mindset when we're thinking about North and what's going on in North. Well, part of that has clearly been, again, going back to the dismantling of our food systems, right? I mean, so communities, low-income uh, low communities, marginalized communities around the country have suffered from disinvestment, you know, for hundreds of years. And so, you know, I look at it as poverty is slavery and that either you're an abolitionist or you're not, that you believe. So I refer to myself as an egg patriot. You know, it's for me, it's less about growing the food. That is just kind of a added benefit, cream of the crop. That it's really about changing, shifting the paradigm in communities where people have been socially engineered to be consumers instead of being trained, educated to become producers. And as a consumer, you know, we are... We are continually perpetuated as the menace to society when indeed we are the prey. And so how can we really change, debunk these myths, you know, and really get people to realize that that all of us, if we're going to conquer some of these grand challenges, as the university calls it, you know, food, water, social justice, health, uh, personal health and societal health, that it's all hands on deck, all hands on deck. One of the in- reasons that I started this was right around when the tornado hit North Minneapolis and did incredible devastation, which actually birthed a lot of the garden spaces that we have inherited. But, you know, how is it that as human beings, let there be a tornado, let there be a flood, let there be a hurricane, and people come pouring in from all around the world, you know, clanging their bell, stand back, I want to move that that, that bay. <laughs> we don't need a natural catastrophe for us to come together as human beings. People are dying in these communities from, from gun violence, from heart, uh, uh, health-related ailments, and so we don't have to wait for a natural catastrophe as yeah. human beings to become humanitarian. This is really about growing our humanity as humans, to, that we care for our fellow man, and that we're tr- we want to realize that 
that within one of these children, we don't know might be, you know, the person who might discover a cure for AIDS, that might be able to conquer cancer. And so it's incumbent on each and every one of us that we are building pathways to higher education, uh, that we are trying to change the food system, that we are trying to adjust the economics in our community. You know, my new tagline for Project Sweetie Pie is healing the community one recipe at a time because a family recipe is a family business that's suffering from arrested development because they didn't have the infrastructure, didn't have the training, the education, the experience, the family history to really take this great tasting food that was a family treasure and mm-hmm. share it with the rest of the universe. That's really what we're growing. It's more, much more broad and expansive in terms of just growing some vegetables. Well, and it's, I mean, it's local and it's also global. Um, I, I saw the palm, palm plantations recently in Costa Rica. And so this dominant food system is wiping out precious um, land all over. And it's destroying our water, turning our our climate. And so the idea of relocalizing and taking power uh, over the economy in our food is just so critical. Did you want to pop in here, Lucas? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll give another. There's a movie out now called uh, uh, Dead Donkeys Fear No Hyenas. It's about the food, <laughs> the food crisis in Ethiopia, um, particularly the uh, poor treatment of farmers in Ethiopia um, by uh, Institutions, uh, I mean, the government kind of has enforced some some very bad uh, practices that kind of give corporations total control of these farmers. Um, the World Bank supports this. So, I mean, yeah, when you get on the global level, you're talking about huge systems of, of capital um, that have influenced uh, all of this. Um, and so I think it's really important that we're doing this work that kind of detaches uh, all these people from this um, this unethical system that, uh, you know, is, is actively destroying people's lives. I think it's really important that we, we've built our own system, you know, that, so that people can thrive instead of, uh, you know, have to fight to survive. Right, because let's talk about the deep culture and the, some farmers have the highest suicide rate globally of any occupation. Um, yeah, so they've been suffering. So farmers in rural areas have, have been suffering from um, devalue, devaluization of their product and low prices. And um, I know right now they're really concerned about trade wars with China, and um, which is going to make things worse, and, and, and low resources for mental health that's available for them in rural areas. And it's, it's really concerning. We're, we don't value our, our farmers um, enough. And we don't value their work enough, and it's it's a difficult job, and it needs we need they need support <laughs> from from everyone from the consumers, and so we need to be not consumers but but co-producers in a way um, to really maybe not consumers up. just people, <laughs> right, right, stay human. Yeah. So. Um, when we talk about trying to create this deep culture, what are some of the barriers to, I mean, we all want a sane, rational world. What, what are the, what's keeping us from that? Well, I think one of the things that keep us from that is our brains need, we need, we, we need to have the idea that we can do it. And we need to have the idea that we can, I mean, the kids need to have Another one of my favorite stories is the kid who came in eating little Debbie cakes and hot Takis. That was breakfast and lunch. And by the end of the 12 weeks with us, wanted more curry. <laughs> that that, you know, that that you, if you, if your idea is that the only thing you can eat is little Debbie cakes and hot Takis, and that's either culturally appropriate for you or it's the only thing you've ever had or it's the only it's the tv messages you're getting exactly the tv messages it's what you can afford the reality is if you can buy those things you can buy a lot of other stuff but you may never have had that thought you may have never had that taste and so figuring out any way to get new tastes new thoughts we we work at north high um, during the school year, and so one of the things we do is we bring in food. You know, I make muffins, and they've got you know Swiss chard in them, or green tomatoes, or what anything else that I can think of to put in a muffin, and the kids eat them up. You know, they think they're wonderful. 
Um, we bring in chips that, you know, are made from sweet potatoes and, you know, beans and anything else. And, you know, they think it's great. And doing all of that and trying to make their own colas out of different fruit flavors. I mean, somebody came in from, who's a food scientist at General Mills, and that's what he did. And the kids all love it. So, I mean, having having all those things that are new ideas and then figuring out how you take the first step. How do you plant the seed? How do you water it? What do you do when it dies? What do you do when it dies the second year? How do you do it the third year when it doesn't die? And all of those things of learning with each other, you know. I mean, the only reason we knew how to plant that many collards is that we'd done it before. And, you know, we somebody finally told us how far apart to plant them. You know, if you <laughs> plant them a foot apart, they really grow big, you know. I was always planting them really close together, and they never grew that big, you know. I didn't believe it when we had to plant them that far apart. But, you know, all those learnings, and they're really collective learnings, you know. You just got to keep figuring and learning how to be persistent. You know, the Minnesota Food Charter uh, out of the um, – Department of Health really has really led the way in terms of paving the pathway forward. And so a shout out to them because they've really invested a lot of thought, time, and energy to try to reinvigorate and rethink what is a food system. What is a food system? We're going to need to take a break. We'll be back for our last segment. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Did you know that tooth decay is the most common disease in America and that over half the American population has some form of periodontal disease? Simply brushing and flossing don't seem to be enough. The abundant bacteria in your mouth thrive off sugar to produce acid and plaque. But what if you could actually prevent bacteria from converting sugar into the harmful byproducts responsible for tooth decay and periodontal disease? Daily Dental Care is a life sciences company that leverages our microbiology expertise to create oral care products that promote strong teeth, healthy gums, and fresh breath. Our lozenges safely and effectively neutralize harmful bacteria and their disease-causing byproducts like acid and plaque without harming health-promoting bacteria that guard your mouth against the destruction that sugar causes. Supplement your daily dental hygiene routine with our convenient dental lozenges. Go to dailydentalcareswithans.com or Amazon to purchase and use promo code DDC95001 at checkout for a 25% discount on your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Daily dental care lozenges are not intended to replace daily dental hygiene practices. Victor's 1959 Cafe in South Minneapolis is a locally owned and operated restaurant offering traditional Cuban food. Open for breakfast and lunch daily with dinner Tuesday through Saturday. For night shift workers, Victor's even has both a morning and evening happy hour. And Victor's now accepts dinner reservations too. Stop in and try some delicious authentic Cuban cuisine like ropa vieja and seafood paella. Make your reservation and learn more at victors1959cafe.com. Victor's 1959 Cafe, revolutionary Cuban cooking. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie, and sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Trappers use baited snares to choke animals to death. They're cheap and easy. Snares are banned in 20 states. Snares can't discriminate between wild animals and our pets. Your dog could die silently in a snare just yards away. Most Minnesotans oppose trapping, and our leaders cringe at the slightest mention of it, and yet it continues. Let's ban snaring and leave a legacy Minnesota can be proud of. Please contact the governor and your lawmakers. Do it now, today. Together we can ban the snare. Learn more at StandAgainstSnaring.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shambot from Shambot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. We always offer a free exam and x-rays for new patients because we believe you shouldn't have to pay to find out what's wrong with your teeth. Call today. We're open early and late and Saturdays to fit your schedule. As my daughter Rachel says, If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund. Karen Olson Johnson is not um, able to be with us today. We're talking about urban agriculture, and in studio with us is Dr. Mary Rogers, who directs the Rogers Organic Horticulture Lab at the University of Minnesota, uh, Michael Cheney, the founder of Project Sweetie Pie, and with the Growing North Program, Lucas Zeitner and Patsy Parker. Okay, so there's a symposium coming up in August. So do you want to talk yeah. about that symposium? So we're um, organizing an urban food system symposium. This will be the second one. The first one was held um, in Olathe, Kansas, um, and it was organized by um, some colleagues at Kansas State University in their horticulture department. Um, and so what we're really trying to do is bring together um, folks who are working um, in this area. So um, community organizers, uh, not-for-profit organizations doing food work, uh, academics, researchers, extension professionals or any other kind of food system expert to, to come together for this symposium. It's going to be held here in Minneapolis, August 8th through the 11th, and it's at the Graduate Hotel on the East Bank of the University of Minnesota campus. Um, and so we're talking about all of these broad issues that, you know, we've been talking about here on the program today. So food production in cities, um, environmental impacts, of growing food in cities, food policy, food sovereignty, food justice, and access. Um, so all these broad-ranging sort of interdisciplinary issues. And so it's nice to bring people who are experts in each of these areas together so that we can brainstorm, learn from each other, share what we're doing. Um, and we have, um, so we have folks lined up. We have oral presentations and poster presentations from folks all around the country coming. And um, yeah, so I encourage listeners to go to Urban Food Systems symposium.com to learn more about the conference and to register for it. And um, we have early bird registration running through April. So if you register before May 1st, it's $300. And then that, that includes everything. So you get the admission to all of the sessions as well as lunches, breaks. We, ha we have a really nice banquet dinner planned at the new Bell Museum of Natural History, Ooh, which yay. will be opening up at the St. Paul campus of the University of Minnesota this summer. So we're excited about that. Um, we also have pre- and post-conference field trips planned. And so we really have uh, a rich um, community um, and examples of urban, of urban ag throughout Minneapolis and St. Paul. So before the conference um, on August 8th, the day of, we'll be doing um, field trips of uh, Second Harvest Heartland, uh, the Rondo community, working with the Urban Farm and Garden Alliance, as well as Frogtown Farm. And then our post-conference session on Saturday, the 11th, will be held in North Minneapolis, where we're really going to highlight a lot of the work um, funded by Greater Twin Cities United Way and their Full Lives Grant Program. So we'll be talking more about um, results from our Growing North Partnership um, Belby Appetite for Change is also um, has a presence there, and so there, there's going to be lots of examples of, of what's happening on the north side. So we'll go kind of both ways, St. Paul and north side. So people are coming from across yeah. the country for this. Yeah. And i got to do a little Minnesota plug. I mean, Minnesota, we're kind of like cool on this stuff, aren't we? I think we are. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're getting cooler, okay? <laughs> we're getting cooler. <laughs> As... So I grew up in Chicago, where oh. there's obviously lots and lots of you know corruption and, and zoning oh, I and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, no. Um, but uh, I, I no, actually, I came here and was so impressed by um, how much freedom we have to really experiment. Um, I think you know the the food council of uh, the city of Minneapolis has done a really good job making it possible for all of this to happen um, legally, you know, and, and making it so there's no barrier for me to grow stuff in my backyard even and, and sell it on my uh, property. I think that's something really special that we have. You know, let's do a nice gratitude and thanks because we really have had a lot of people fighting. Um, and I don't, I, I, maybe not fighting, but, you know, struggling, like like the urban egg in the parks, for instance. That's moving forward. Who do you want to express gratitude to? Well, I want to express gratitude for the, to the Minnesota Department of Ag because currently right now, uh, folks are within your listening audience and across the state, if they are working with young people uh, and are interested in getting some seed money, um, planting the seeds of change, they can apply to the Minnesota Department of Ag for up to $50,000 to across the state of Minnesota uh, to train young people in schools, in faith-based organizations, and 
So again, Department of Agriculture, you can go on their website and you can apply for something so that you in whatever community you might live across the state of Minnesota, that you can start doing some of the stuff that we've actively are doing currently in North Minneapolis at North High. And uh, I'm real proud of the role that um, myself and others in North Minneapolis in terms of uh, went to to try to help develop that resource for people. Yeah, gratitude towards Michael for <laughs> helping make that happen. Gratitude, too, towards our funders. Um, our work has been funded, um, like like we said, by the Greater Twin Cities United Way Full, Full Lives Grant Program, as well as the University of Minnesota Healthy Foods, Healthy Lives Institute, um, who really uh, care a lot about bringing good food um, to, to everyone. So, yeah. And, and, and again, it's just uh, how do we move towards a sane kind economic system? And want to jump in with that question? That's a tough one. <laughs> well, you know, I just spent a, a week out in Washington, D.C. because, you know, there are those who are trying to, through the Farm Bill, if folks don't look to the Farm Bill, I mean, there again, has a great impact around the world on food systems and how our money is being spent. And so there are those who are talking about, uh, you know, cutting back on some of the SNAP benefits. And so uh, uh, the Farm Bill is uh, really something that the food in the box thing just makes me mad it's like that just let's just privatize it so whoever trump likes he can give the contract for the food and someone's gonna make billions of dollars i just it just makes me angry i agree with that one it's we've been working so hard to get a variety of food and whatever people need and want and all at once you're going back to only the only thing you're going to get is a can that somebody else thinks you should be eating and, and someone else is gonna make the money from right I would say one of the things you need to do is vote and register to vote. One of the things you need to do is figure out how to grow something or find somebody who grows something and help them and, you know, send some blessings. So you, from the big and policy level to the small level, you know, pretty much I always think that people need to do whatever they're going to do and they need to do it as well as well as they can. Because all those, you know, what you do, thanks to what you do for having this radio show. I mean, all these things are big, are steps in the right direction. I, I love this quote. It's all about trying to see the big in the small actions. Because it really does offer some. And unfortunately, we're down to our last minute. I did also wanted to check out that community-supported agriculture is a fantastic way to support the local food system. And Seward Co-op on Saturday, April 22nd, they're having their CSA fair at the Creamery Cafe parking lot, 11 to 2. Mary, you want to tell us again about how people could sign up for the symposium if they're interested? Yeah, I I just want to direct people to the website. So go to urbanfoodsystemsymposium.com and you can learn all about it. Awesome. Last 30 seconds. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, I think there's, uh, we're, we live in a city full of food warriors, a uh, state full of food warriors, <laughs> and uh, I'm thankful for everyone who's helped me along the way uh, learn more about the system and be part of it. Um, so uh, that's, that's who I'm thankful for, and I think that's uh, who everyone should be thankful for, and, and buy, buy local produce. <laughs> buy local produce. The food warriors. Yay. That could be like a sports team. <laughs> it should be, yeah. <laughs> the Minneapolis Food Warriors. The Minneapolis Food Warriors. Okay, so you've been listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Laura Headland. Karen Nelson Johnson will be here next week. Um, and you have a fantastic week, and thank you for listening to AM 950's Food Freedom Radio. Thank you.